Hey everybody, welcome to Quotes and Stuff with the Kennedy Bros, the podcast where three brothers talk about movies, comics, pop culture, and stuff while adding our own quoting flair. This is your host, Nate. This is TJ. And I'm Christian. Before we go any further, there are time codes in the description if you want to jump around to different parts of our episode. But if you're just tuning in for the first time, this is how this week's going to go. We're going to start it off with our opening question, then that's going to be followed by revealing the quote from last week. Then we're going to play the quote for this week. After that, we're going to dive into Miss Marvel episode three. Then after that, we're talking about the finale of Kenobi. And then we're going to end it off with our topic. Christian, hit us up with that opening question. Okay, so what was a memorable experience that you've had flying on a plane? And the most memorable experience you've had on a plane, either good or bad. Okay, TJ, you start us off. So I never had like super memorable experiences on planes, like nothing ever crazy, which, which is probably what you want. You know, you don't really want anything crazy happening to you on a plane. No, you um, don't. One cool one was when we were really young, we flew from Maine to Arizona and we were on one of the really big planes and they had like a built-in radio um, that they gave you uh, earphones or uh, force. You could like listen to some music as you went. It kind of looped and was the same thing after yeah, it was like, a little bit. It was like the same maybe five songs or something like that, yeah. but it was music <laughs> and we didn't have any iPods. It was before that time. So that was cool. I think the worst experience wasn't even the worst experience for me, but probably for uh, the poor, poor girl sitting next to me. I just, one flight back, this was over the Atlantic. I just had terrible, terrible gas. <laughs> and I, <laughs> You say, it's a it, wait, wait, it was an international it was international it was international oh, it was gosh. international so this poor girl next to me like i had like one of the blankets on top of me so maybe that was able to contain it somewhat but i just could not hold it in wait, and, did and you eat so, a burger or something before or beans no, beforehand <laughs> i don't know what it was it was just it was just it was probably some milk i'm a little bit lactose intolerant but i i felt so bad for this girl <laughs> i was oh. like I'm so sorry. You you got the wrong seat in this flight. And what was the, how long is that flight? <laughs> it wasn't terrible. It was like eight hours. Hey, eight hours. Um, that's, but that's, that, that sounds pretty terrible to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't Oof. the New Zealand flights that we're hearing about. But yeah, so worst experience wasn't even my worst experience. So if that girl has a podcast and they're answering this question, I'm sure she knows what she's saying. <laughs> <Fast>. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Nate, what do you got? Honestly, for me... I've not been on a plane in uh, nine years, so nine really years. Too many what? memorable Dang. plane experiences because I have very few plane experiences in general. But the last time I flew, I think it was from Spokane to Portland. It was like the first time, the first and only time I fl- flew by myself. I was like thirteen, and so for the most part, flight went fine. Um, I don't think I got any food actually. Now that I think about it, they didn't even give me like a bag of peanuts or anything. What about a soda Which, pop? Savages. Um, yeah, I don't think, not even a soda, I don't know, I think it was wow. a pretty, it's not, it wasn't a long flight at all, it was like maybe an hour and a half, but I think whatever, whoever it was through, it was short enough that I didn't get, I didn't get the normal plain beverages or food and drinks, so, yeah, that's like my only plane experience, is basically flying, flying from, from there to there and remembering that. They were cutting costs where you were at, Nate, I mean, a soda, pretty cheap, I mean, there's a lot of people on the plane, but come on now, that's what we all look forward to when we're going on the plane is the bag of peanuts and, and a soda. I still can't believe that's the only, like, that's nine years. That's crazy. But yeah, that's a, long, that's a long time to not fly. I feel like maybe just TJ and I have flown a lot more recently and have just done it in more, more of abundance, so that uh, doesn't, so. doesn't quite fit for us. And I guess I'll, I'll finish this off here. So when I, was, when I was flying one time, the engine caught fire uh, on the right of me, and we started going down. And, oh, wait, no, just kidding. That, no, that never happened. Here. <laughs> um, but Christian was calm. <laughs> uh, yeah, thank heavens that has not happened to me, nor do I wish that ever to happen to me or, or anyone for that matter. But uh, for me, it was an unpleasant experience on the plane. I feel like there's very few times where you just get just awesome experiences on the plane because they're just kind of uncomfortable, long flights, especially for the girl <laughs> next to TJ on his uh, <laughs> uh, transatlantic flight. Mm. So, um, yeah, for me, it was one, one time when I was pretty young. Um, I can't remember if I was like eight or nine or something like that, but we were flying to, maybe even older, maybe like 10, but uh, we were flying to, <laughs> to Arizona for like Christmas break, I think, and it was an, a flight during, during the evening times. So it was dark outside, and uh, I, I, I fell asleep, 
and uh, I, I woke up and I happened to be all wet. And I'm like, what the heck? What's going on? And I realized I <laughs> I had wet the plane um, <laughs> instead of wetting the bed. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Because uh, this was past the age of, of wetting the bed for me. And yes, I did, I, I did wet the bed, unfortunately. So past that age, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, this is awful. I mean, I was in the window seat, so I had to crawl past my sister and dad who probably could smell the urine off me as I'm going by them. <laughs> and I'm like, we still have a long time on the flight. So I had to you know, go into the lovely air, uh, airplane bathroom and just dispose of the underwear that I had because I wasn't about to wear it um, and be soaking wet, uh, soiled uh, for the rest of this flight. So just had to yeah, toss that underwear aside and go the, the, the rest of the flight to just with my shorts and yeah, it was it was very uncomfortable to say the least, and I never <laughs> wish that uh, to happen ever ever again. Maybe maybe that over a exploding engine, uh, but uh, yeah, still not a good, not a good time, but memorable. So, <laughs> and th- this isn't the first time Christian has a uh, uh, lo- disposed uh, left of his underwear. underwear <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there there's a, another story here that I won't share. A, li- a little more a little more ugh. But I I won't share it this time or maybe ever. But yes, this is not the first time I've disposed of my underwear. (laughs) (laughs) That is our opening question, though, for this week. Our listeners out there, let's let us know what's a memorable experience you've had on a plane. It's time now, though, to uh, reveal uh, reveal our quote from last week. Yeah. And I don't know it. So I'm going to lean on you guys here. (laughs) I can't I can't remember. I do remember this one, and this one I, I chose, or did I choose this one? I maybe didn't choose, but I really like this movie. That quote is from Gremlins, mm, the original one. That's not from Gremlins. <laughs> no, I don't that know was, that was Gremlins. That's that was Stranger the, That was the week prior, TJ. So, we, I don't know no, what we did is. Jurassic Park last week. Yeah, we didn't do Gremlins. We did Gremlins for Stranger Things, vo- the first volume of Stranger Things. We did Gremlins. Ah, fetch my life. Yeah, that, so I was you, so you, excited. You, you remembered correctly. But you also remember it incorrectly. So last <laughs> Dang week, it. TJ was correct. We did uh, Jurassic World Dominion, but the quote we did from it was, the, I mean, the quote we, we chose for that week was from the first Godzilla. That's the point oh, we're talking about. Curses. Man versus nature. And uh, the, Sato. the guy, Sato, as we know him best from Inception, the actor, he says, let them fight in regards to Godzilla and the other like giant moth creature things. So it's from Godzilla 2014. Nice try man. there, Teach. You 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 don't you almost got it. You almost got I it. I was so excited. I was like, man, I got this. Way to go, <laughs> me. <laughs> Better luck next time. But we're gonna move on to playing the quote for this week. Good news is there's hope for you, Private. Hope in the form of glorious combat. Battle is the great redeemer, the fiery crucible in which the only true heroes are forged. The one place where all men truly share the same rank. Regardless of what kind of parasitic scum they were going in. All right, that is the quote for this week. We will play it once again at the end of the podcast and reveal it at the beginning of the next episode. Time now, though, to dive into Miss Marvel episode three. What are your guys' thoughts? Yeah. So, again, I wouldn't say it was a terrible episode. Like, I, I enjoyed it to some extent, but again, I'm really, I'm not really getting the superhero vibe from this episode. You know, like, there really wasn't anything superhero that happened until like the very end. And even then, like, you know, it wasn't too much. It was really just seems to be more about like, a, you know, like a teen drama or teen dramedy, excuse me. Dramedy, there as we opposed, go. Yeah, dramedy as opposed to like, you know, something with like a superhero show. Yeah, I feel like I will say I, I enjoyed this <clears throat> more so than the past two episodes. Excuse me. I enjoyed this more so than the past two episodes. I mean, we got a yeah a little bit of action at the end there with Miss Marvel, um, bringing out the powers and taking down the bad guys. Who I, I was a little bit blindsided by, and I don't know how because when you look at them, you're like, actually, these guys are evil, the clandestines. So oh yeah, I, I caught. I'm like, they look evil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh yeah, they're they're just there. And nope. So uh, I feel a little bit like a dummy there because they're definitely the bad guys. Um, so yeah, we got a little bit of uh, of action there. Um, but uh. And I, I guess just overall, I mean, I, I like the feel of this episode. I, I'm, it's, yeah, more this kind of fun, go-lucky vibe. Um, but, yeah, overall, it's still a little bit lacking for me. And just 
not quite uh, as gripping as I was hoping this to be. And I can concur with TJ, whereas, yeah, not getting the, I guess, the, the superhero vibe, getting a different fun vibe, which is okay, but not the superhero vibe that I think we're kind of familiar to seeing a lot of these other Marvel TV shows or Marvel series. Yeah. No, for me, I enjoyed this episode. Um, I enjoyed more of the character development with Kamala kind of being like, hey, I don't know really what I'm doing. I'm a teenager and I have superpowers and all this seems crazy and scary. I, I felt like that was a good moment for her to reflect. And so I enjoyed seeing that this episode. And even though you guys are saying, ah, oh, it's not been the most superhero-y, which I, I can agree with to an extent, I did enjoy the final action scene. I think I, I did enjoy especially that she wasn't really fighting. She was more just like blocking and defending herself. Reacting. Still, yeah. still new with her powers. You know, she doesn't really know how to fight at all. Or, and is still, yeah, really learning her powers. And so I did really enjoy, uh, I enjoyed that element in the action scene to be like, okay, she's still not like, oh, a superhero that could actually go out and fight crime. Like she, she, she would get whooped. But I feel like they did a good job of her, like showing her using her powers in a way that she's still learning and developing, which was something I enjoyed about that action sequence. I think Bruno Bruno's the real hero here. I mean, this dude. Yeah, we're all team Bruno, right? Is, we're not team Comrade. No, we're team. Yeah, t- team Bruno. We're team Bruno. Okay. And I mean, this dude. He he deserves the internship or, or whatever he's getting because he he's a bright kid, right? He's he's a, there, no, he's a genius. Yeah. <laughs> he's like Tony Stark. He, he is a genius. <laughs> There's always the sidekick that is extremely smart, and Bruno fits that. So. I mean, he's he's making things happen here. If it wasn't for him, uh, Miss Marvel Kamala would be in, in in a heap of trouble. So she needs to keep him keep him close. I don't know. Just really quick to your point, Nate. Though I was pretty, I was actually kind of bugged with how like she was like, oh no, like superhero stuff. Like this is dangerous. Like what are you talking about? You saved the kid's life. Like the worst that happened was he had like a broken leg. It wasn't like someone died because you were playing with your powers. Like it was just that, so weird because uh, she was true. Yeah. She was so excited in the first episode, like, oh my gosh, superpowers, like, or that if I could be a superhero. And then in the second one, you know, she does save the kid. Like, she doesn't do it perfectly, but she's still new with her powers. But then she walks away being like, this is so dangerous. Like, what have I done? I'm like, you didn't kill anybody. You did a good thing. <laughs> like, what's going on? And if, you, <laughs> and if you did kill anybody, that that's okay. You know, that's what we it, expect it in these men. <laughs> and it's Marvel. They're, they're probably not really dead. <laughs> You know, I kind of, I kind of enjoyed that more because it shows like, oh, there are consequences for having powers, even though it's like, ah, oh, it's what I wanted. But it's like you get what you want, but it's not really exactly what you want. Yeah. So I don't no. know. Like, I, I feel like that's the sense they're more going for. It's like, oh, I have my powers, but like, oh, I kind of messed up. And you know, you're a teenager. When you're a teenager, all your emotions are like bottled up, and everything is ten times bigger. <laughs> everything is just more, <laughs> even though it's like, hey, yeah, like you're saying. From our perspective, like, hey, you did a good job. But I think that's what they're going for is to be like, there are consequences for her actions and for her powers. And she's also a teenager trying to figure it all out. And so that's why she's freaking out in the way that she is, I think. I get, I know, I agree with like what they're trying to do. I think I just wish it had been like her fault in some way. Like maybe she got like a little too showboaty, like, hey, I am a hero. And then like, then she dropped the kid and he got hurt. But in this, it wasn't her fault. All of a sudden, she just had the vision with the bangle and she accidentally dropped the kid. Like, and like, yeah, maybe, I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking, like, just looking back, maybe it's more like she's, like, scared. Or maybe that's the play that they should have gone this way of being like, oh, man, now I have the powers. But maybe there's a, a fear element that is playing itself into here because she's like, oh, wow, now I have these powers. This is what I can do. Oh, I don't know how to control them per se, and maybe I they that's like the feeling that she's getting, and that's not being expressed, or maybe that's just what they should have done. I don't know. I'm just kind of just thinking aloud a little bit. That's fair. Something else I, I do want to point out that I'll, I'll give a shout out to Christian too is uh, the flashback at the very beginning of the episode, uh, where uh, Kamala's grandmother Aisha, where she finds the bangle with the clandestines. If you look in that one shot where it's uh, above the, I guess the the hole in the ground or the the, it's not a tunnel or a tomb or wherever it is underground. You can see the symbol of the Ten Rings. We also saw a, a blue oh. arm that had the bangle on. So shout out to Christian. He was saying something about in our, our previous weeks about uh, it being related to the Ten yeah. Rings, the bangle, and kind of that, that, that same uh, history where they could be Cree. Most likely they're probably Cree is what I'm going to say the bangle is. But uh, I, I think that's just an interesting connection to, to put the Ten Rings in there, obviously, to, to Shang-Chi and the Mandarin. But, you know, that could have been the, the same, I guess, tomb 
where the Mandarin found his rings and he was just letting them rifle through it. So just wanted to point out that Easter egg there. And hey, who knows? Maybe, maybe the Mandarin actually like was the one that buried them too, because maybe he only was able to wield one set of the powers, right? He was able to re- wield the 10 rings, right? And not the bangle. So he's like, hey, I don't want anyone else to have this bangle. I'm going to bury it. So there's a little bit of, of, of a theory as well. It's too dangerous to be kept alive. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I will say, just one other thing with this, like, I know we've complained in the past about, like, or I have, especially about, like, you know, character development and Disney's not focusing it enough in some of these shows. And I will say, they are focusing on the characters a lot more, which I appreciate. But in some ways, I'm like, ah, oh, shoot, it, it feels like it's too much, if that makes, like, it's moving too slow. Uh, not enough is happening, where it's like we spend, you know, 25 minutes just kind of hanging out and then only like 10 minutes on anything having to do with you know her being a superhero and so that's not bad i'm just worried like oh what does this mean for like the rest of the series like how is this going to develop and so i'm cautiously optimistic i guess i could say or maybe cautiously pessimistic there we <laughs> I'm go, not yeah. sure which. Um, because i i enjoy how they're developing everyone but it is kind of slow and i'm worried that you know, you only have three more episodes and you don't have 45-minute episodes. You only have 35-minute episodes because 10 minutes of credits. So I, I'm just worried to how it's going to play out. I mean, they work, They are capable, I think, what we saw in Moon Knight, right? I really enjoyed Moon Knight overall. And they definitely delved into the character more so. And it, there was still like a good enough balance of story. I think, uh, you know, we, we talked about it on one of our previous episodes and there's things that we, we would be happy seeing or, or we would have been happy seeing in Moon Knight. But overall, I thought they did a better job at going into the character while still having some, you know, semblance uh, of a solid story. Not that we really know what's going on now with with Moon Knights, but there is <laughs> there is hope because I felt like they were at least capable when they did Moon Knight. Just have to wait and see. That wraps up our thoughts though on Miss Marvel episode three. Time though now to dive into the finale of Kenobi. What are your guys' thoughts? And also, I guess as of the series as a whole. So episode six, for me, was the best episode of the series for sure. I got more of a Star Wars feel from it. We had, obviously, lightsaber dueling between Obi-Wan and Vader. We got to see force powers from both Vader and Obi-Wan. I actually wish we would have just gone more into that that battle and that duel because it actually wasn't that long when I looked back and saw in in the this last episode really wasn't that long and half of the episode was other things, but I I really enjoyed that (laughs) part of it. We got finally some music, right? I feel like the first time we we heard the Imperial March when they went back to Darth Vader at the end of it. And I think the, not the star Wars theme, but, uh, the force, the force theme. Yeah. The force theme and then Han and Leia's theme. Yes. There we go. Or just 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 Leia and Han. Yeah. Leia's theme. Not Han. (laughs) I, I think, I think it's pronounced Han. Han? Han? No. Oh, excuse but, um, me. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there was a lot of po- positive elements, I think, in episode six that I think the prior five elements, or excuse me, the, the, the prior five episodes did not have. So that I was, I was very happy about. Yeah. I, I think I would agree with Christian. This is, I think, definitely the best episode. But I think so many things, like, as although I did enjoy it, like, and, and I should say it this way. Well, two things I should say. One, you know, I, I was never a, a fan of this series what, coming out initially. I, I think it messes up the, the Obi-Wan to Vader relationship. Yeah, like, yeah. leave it on Mustafar, bring it back in New Hope. And there's just so many retcons here that I, that I dislike. But because it is made, I think episode um, six, specifically with Vader and Obi-Wan, was like that was almost the best way you could do it in a lot of ways. I still had some issues, of course. I think my issue, though, is it's just a lot of things that could have hit really hard and meant a lot just were really flat and really wasted because they had just done not a good job of building up to these moments like and these little things that when when Obi-Wan and Vader do fight, you're like, wait, Obi-Wan, you're like, you couldn't use the force like just like <laughs> two days ago, 36 yeah. hours ago. <laughs> and now you're like... <laughs> To, and you got your butt handed to you by Vader, and now you can take him on again? Like, and, win, and, and win, really. I mean, he and won. Win. Yeah. yeah, I think some of the character motivations and characters in general kind of really flopped, and I would agree with TJ. Like, while they're 
are some cool elements that are entertaining to watch. The buildup and why they should make sense don't really make sense, or it doesn't hit as hard as you hoped it would. Um, sticking with positives, though, going starting with the, the Obi-Wan and Anakin fight, I did enjoy that a lot, kind of as Christian said in his point. I enjoyed them using the Force in wall fighting, because it's like, Jedi and Sith, you can use the Force. Like, the Force is your, your main... Uh, not antagonist. Ally. The force is your main, pa- your main ally, your main power. The ability to destroy his planet is insignificant when compared to the power of the force. <laughs> yeah, and so like to actually see nice. them use force powers in their battle, and you know Obi Wan got buried, and then he also threw a crap ton of rocks at Darth Vader and pummeled him like. That I like that part where he's getting smashed. Yeah, I don't. Like, I don't know how Vader survived that. To tell you the truth, but <laughs> or Obi or when Obi Wan got piled on by all the rocks. Not sure how he survived that either. But all the force, the force. <laughs> but I enjoyed. I think that that dynamic and that fight a lot. And then the the saber battle. No, I wouldn't say it's the most impressive lightsaber battle. It was still good and entertaining. They, they did some things. You had some, some nice callbacks with. You see, Obi Wan is doing the reverse twirl this time mm-hmm. instead of. Uh, Anakin. Dude, he did the reverse twirl like 20 times in that fight, I swear. Yeah. He was spinning around like mad. Well, he, he, he was doing the roll away a lot because he's like, oh, like, <laughs> no. oh, I can't, I, can't, I can't block this. Jump away and roll. Like That was his main move. He used the, the classic video game evade when you're, when you're facing the big boss. You're like, ooh, time, yeah. time to roll, time to roll. <laughs> Lots of evade. But something I did enjoy is even though the, the conflict of them fighting and Obi-Wan being able to use the Force again after not using it for a decade, I did enjoy uh, that at the end where he's like, oh, my friend is truly dead. Anakin is gone. And he calls him Darth because it, it kind of mm, signifies yeah. like more. It gives him more of an argument to be like, oh, yeah, Anakin, uh, Darth Vader murder of your, your father because Anakin is like or Darth Vader says in this, like, I'm the one that finished off Anakin, not you. And so. I think that does add to Obi-Wan's argument, even though he straight up lies to Luke later on in the series. <laughs> From a certain he, I point mean, of view. He does, yeah. <laughs> he does and he does. And, like, I kind of see, like, there, there is, like, a little bit of the retconning, but then they're also kind of, like, not doing it. Just, like, kind of what, what Nate said, being like, oh, yeah, uh, I killed Anakin, right? Meaning Darth. And then, he, yeah, like Nate said, then he, he Obi-Wan leaves Darth Vader, calling him Darth, and then when he approaches him on the Death Star in A New Hope, he calls him Darth, right? And he, he, he says, oh, or Darth Vader says, oh, I was the, the learner, but now I'm the master. And, and really, they're trying to say, like, oh, here in this battle too, right, in episode six, Obi-Wan is still the master because he beats Darth Vader here, right? And Vader is kind of overcome, I think, still by his emotions and his anger, still thinking about him getting... Uh, fried like a like an egg on a stove, you know, in Mustafar. So he's still feeling <laughs> some of this, uh, some repercussions from that, right? So maybe when he meets him in A New Hope, it's a little more like, hey, I've been able to overcome that now. Uh, now I'm the master, right? So uh, there's maybe a little bit of that. I love the callback going back to the beginning of the fight where they are referencing Episode Three, where he's With like, pose. yeah, he's like. You will before Anakin says, "Oh, you will try, right?" Because Obi Wan says, "I'll do what I must," and then in here in Episode Six, Darth Vader says, "Then you will die." So I, I like that callback for sure in showing a much more obviously aggressive dark side Vader. And the the, the half the half James Earl Jones, half Hayden, the mask. Thing, oh, that yeah. was really cool. I did that, love that. That was so cool. The the voice going back and forth because. This is when we really saw Anakin, or excuse me, Hayden Christensen as Darth Vader, right? We know he's in the suit, but we never really see him, obviously, because of of the mask. And so being able to see his face in there, I think, was a, a big game changer for me. I'm like, oh, yes, this is Hayden Christensen, who is Anakin, who is Darth Vader, right? I loved seeing that. And the voice changeover thing between James Earl Jones, like you mentioned, TJ, was phenomenal. And you could also see kind of the light, too, of the... Of the saber, the blue, the blue, the red, the red yeah. that was uh, done phenomenally. So, really enjoyed those aspects. I think there's a lot of little details in here that I, when I think back and watched it over again, I'm like, oh, they're doing a really good job with some of these little things. I think maybe some of the bigger things, though, were we were hoping for as well. I I, I kind of feel like the, going back to to TJ's point, yeah, like that moment where o- and or Obi Wan is apologizing to Anakin, like I'm so sorry, like. I thought that could have been, well, I think it is, you know, it's a good uh, performance by Ewan McGregor. 
I do feel like it doesn't hit as hard as it could if we had more built-up motivation with, with Obi-Wan and more character development than Obi- with Obi-Wan rather than him kind of just moving from set piece to set piece. So I, I am a little disappointed that it is jogging from set piece to set piece. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just like jog. Jog. Like jog. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was a little disappointed that that wasn't, that could have been a lot bigger moment than it was. But my only other really complaint with the, the Obi-Wan Darth Vader battle at least is I wasn't a big a fan of how Obi-Wan just left after that. Like I know Darth Vader got half his face helmet cut off and he got slashed in the back and the rocks, but like, it just kind of felt like, oh, it's over now, and Obi-Wan just, you know, he jo- he slightly jogs away again. He's like, okay, we're, we're done here. And I kind of felt like well, there would be, like, I feel like you had to make either Vader more beaten down, that, like, he can't move at all, which I guess a little bit he kind of is, but it just kind of felt very sudden to be like, oh, I'm going to get away now because we're going to focus on this other storyline, which is kind of the, the more problematic part of this episode, in my opinion. So I didn't like how quickly he, he jogged away or got away from Vader at the end. And to be fair, though, you know, a lightsaber duel, that's a gentleman's game. And so in the in the third episode, you know, <laughs> Vader could have easily forced Obi-Wan back and killed him right there, but he let him go. So, you know, Obi-Wan's just repaying the favor. Like, you could have killed me, but you didn't, so I won't kill you. you know? Yeah, that, it's so weird. He's like, dude, didn't you learn your lesson the first time when you left him and you thought he was dead when he was catching on fire? This time, you, you know it's not as bad as last time. He's still very much alive, and he's probably going to call on some of his, his friends, Stormtrooper friends, to come rescue him. So, like, I, I don't know exactly what Obi-Wan was thinking. I know he's like, oh, I got to get off to, to Luke, but that that didn't really fit. And you think, oh, he's overcome. He's overcome this this big hurdle now, and he's beat Vader. So now he's like, oh, I'll, I'm going to kill him. Like, he's like, oh, it's either me or him when he was talking to, um to what's the guy's name? Rogan. Rogan on, on the... On the ship, yeah. it's like, wait a minute, it was me or... He's like, this ends today. Him, and then you jog away. But I don't think he thought... I don't think he was like, oh yeah, Vader's done. No, like, so uh, a little bit of inconsistency there. Well, yeah, especially because he finishes it. He's like, then my friend is truly dead. Oh, so I should be able to easily kill you because you're, you know, a homicidal maniac. You're the one that killed Danny <laughs> in the first place. You know, so like, wait, what? Yeah, but he's like, nah, I'll just let it go. It's it's a gentleman's game. It's a gentleman's <laughs> game. <laughs> Um, let's let's do one more positive note then, because I know we're probably going to end more in a negative note. This is a, a very small thing, but uh, Aunt Beru, I, Aunt Beru, and Uncle Owen. It's a very small, very it's a very small part in this episode, but I, I enjoyed their character. If, if bunch of homies, they 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 pull out the guns from back and we're shooting Riva, like you know, like and it show, it did show much how they they did care for Luke, even though Uncle Owen is sometimes kind of the worst, but. That 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 two little <laughs> scene with them, I thought that I enjoyed that, or at least their characters in this. Yeah, I'm just glad that we got the same actors and actress for Owen and Brew, and yeah, they they did their best to try and fend off Riva, and I I, I like that. I like their characters as well, though. Yeah. Oh, and I want to make the the little note too. Right when uh when Owen gets hurt, right, he falls and he hurts his leg. He has that limp for the rest of his life. You see. In episode four, when he's with Luke, he's always mm. limping around. So I, I like that too. How they made the tie in there where we didn't know how that happened before, but apparently now is because you know when he was fighting Rila, he hurt his leg. So I thought that was pretty cool. And actually, sorry, one more positive Nate that I think we can do: uh, the cameos that we had from Ian McDiarmid and uh, and Liam Neeson. And Neeson, it's yeah, everything we wanted. That's right. Um, I was. Uh, I mean, I enjoyed both those. I think they fit perfectly into it. It's we all thought like, come on, when's Qui Gon gonna be here? You Fan know? favorite, man. I feel like everyone loves Qui Gon. I mean, how can you not like Liam Neeson already? So him as Qui Gon is just like it's such it's such a win, and people just <laughs> want to see him. And so when we got the Force Ghost of him, it's like, yes, finally. <laughs> just, I, he was just like Obi Wan. He's like, where have you been? He's like, you didn't sense anything. Fell <laughs> 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 back to the very best line. <laughs> But yeah, it was uh, good little cameos with with both of them. Ads perfectly fits in the story. Um, adds kind of, I, I guess the thing with the Emperor, I think kind of adds a little bit new dynamic of like, oh, like, is this going to be like, is there, does the Emperor have more than just outside of Darth Vader? Because he's like, maybe your feelings for Obi-Wan are distracting you. But then Darth Vader's like, nah, I, I'm chilling. But that was, I think, uh, an interesting dynamic with their little phone call that they had. <laughs> yeah, phone call. Just a little chat. <laughs> Hey, Vader, how you doing? 
Okay. So are we gonna time to time to talk about Riva? Yeah, <laughs> the elephant in the room. Yeah, I think you can kind of tell what we've as we've been focusing on one part of this episode, we've you know neglected the other part just because that was a part we really didn't enjoy. We I don't know. I just kind of felt like the whole the whole Riva thing of this episode really brought it down. Right. No one no one really cared for that, and it didn't really fit at all. Like, why was Riva even going for Luke? At the end, she's like, "Oh, I couldn't do it. I couldn't kill him." It's like, "Wait, it's would justice? You, like, like, wait, what justice?" Like, yeah, she's pulling the Batman, but she's definitely not the Batman. Um, like, <laughs> I, I, I didn't feel like that fit at all. If she was really like very anti Vader and was wanting to kill him the entire time, why she's like, "Oh, well, I've, I've actually, I failed him, and I couldn't kill the kid." It's like, wait, no, your whole thing wasn't trying to do that. Your whole thing was trying to to be Vader, and you lost. So. It just kind of felt like they just wanted to keep her on in this episode, right? They, she got stabbed by Vader, and they're like, "Nope, we're going to keep her a little bit longer." And it's like, "No, that was really wasn't necessary because the whole the everyone just wanted to watch the sixth episode to watch Vader and Obi Wan fight. That was why people wanted to watch it, right? That's what we've been waiting for this entire series. So I just felt like the the whole side thing with Reva didn't make sense and was just kind of uh, a waste of however many twenty minutes of this episode. Yeah, it was kind of like Stranger Things. Anytime this stuff would go to California, you're like, can we get back? To <laughs> yeah, let's, let's fast forward. It's, it's us when we're kids, fast forwarding to, to all the action sequences, right? In Lord of the Rings or Star Wars, we're like, yeah. okay, let's skip all this stuff. Yeah, action, here we go. I, I don't know. I just, it, it really feels like their whole goal with introducing Reeve as a character was to give her her own spinoff show, like at this point, because I'm like, she doesn't add anything to Obi-Wan's character development. She doesn't add anything to Vader's character development. And she doesn't really do anything for, for the series as a whole, I feel like, because they're so focused on Obi-Wan v. Vader. And so if you had gotten rid of that, like let's say Vader's not in it at all, or he's only in it at the very end or something, then maybe, and her and Obi-Wan have more of a back and forth, and that could be much more. But like, she doesn't really serve like any purpose other than to like bring Obi-Wan out of hiding. Like, and so then all this extra stuff with her, I'm just like, Man, Disney's just looking to get as many, you know, spin offs as we can. Days. So we'll get the Reva spin off. We can get a Roken spin off. Uh, we'll get a, a, a young Leia spin off. What now. about a Brew spin off, too? Brew and, and Owen. Brew <laughs> <laughs> and Owen. It's like, will, will they be able to survive uh, the, 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 the drought? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I just, t- to me, it's just, it seems so much, so much like a money making crap where it's like, we got to we got to keep her alive because then we can have her in her own show and that'll break in even more cash. And I'm like, ah, like that's just such a wasted opportunity. Cause I, I thought her character could have been something, but not in this way. Yeah. I think the biggest problem with her character is the, the whole thing that they end her with, like, end her with is like, Oh, she's a conflicted character where she's like, I just couldn't kill the younglings, even though I was a youngling and saw all my kids, <laughs> all my friends. Kill. I just couldn't do yeah. it. You know? But I feel like they did not develop her at all to be a character that was in conflict to be like, oh, I feel remorse about the actions I'm doing. It's like, no, you enjoyed cutting off people's limbs and being angry and stabbing the Grand Inquisitor. Like, I think there was no build up to her being a conflicted character where like she could go either way. It was like, no, you're you're evil and you want to kill, you want to get to Obi-Wan and you want to kill Vader. Like, I felt like her character doesn't make sense because they switched her back and forth to be like, oh, no, you're evil. Be like, actually, maybe you're good, but now nah, you're evil. Be like, actually, no, you want to be good. And it's just, I think, uh, more of a, a failure in the writing of trying to do a redemption character, which I think personally is one of the hardest character types to do because when it hits, it hits. You know, look at uh, Zuko Avatar. Avatar, Avatar, The Last Airbender. But that takes you three takes seasons long to do. Yeah. Yeah. But so, but like when, when those characters hit, it works really well. But then other times when it doesn't hit, you're like, this doesn't really work that well. I.e. example, Kylo Ren. Boom. Yeah. Redemption yeah. character. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, a better example than this, but still not very good. Even though I like Adam Driver, I, I don't think it's a very good example. But, you know, sequel talk. <laughs> yeah. Forget about it. Very movie. similar characters, I felt like, between the two. Uh, one just had three episodes to fail, and this had... Uh, three long episodes to fail, I should say, and this had six long yeah. episodes to fail. Um, but the 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 biggest thing, though, I think that that bothers me with kind of Riva is, yeah, it's more of just a means to an end. And I think the biggest thing is it distracts from Vader time, which I don't know. Like as you talked about, the whole thing we, we wanted to see the most is Darth Vader versus Obi Wan and and their relationship, their history. Like that, I think is super interesting, and you can dive more into that. Which I guess, which the series is 
supposed to, that's in air quotes, do is dive more into that. But Reva is kind of just this main distraction away from that storyline. And it's like, if TJ said, if you focused more on Reva and didn't have as much Darth Vader, then it could have worked out. It could have been more of a, a dynamic between her and Obi-Wan, and that would have fit more. But because you have Vader so heavily featured in this, it's like, we want to see Darth Vader. And it's like, every time Darth Vader is on the screen, your eyes are glued to be like, Darth Vader's murdering someone, or his presence is like freaking people out. Like, that's what we, we came here to see. That's what I think is more compelling. It's a lot more compelling, uh, the relationship between him and Obi-Wan than Reva and Obi-Wan or Reva and Darth Vader. Like, it fits a lot more. And so I feel like, A, Reva is just a poorly written character that they didn't really focus on making her more of a conflicted character. And B, she took away from the main purpose, which I think is Darth Vader and Obi-Wan. I will say this, though. It did give us one of my favorite memes where <laughs> showing Reva sitting there and she's like, what am I supposed to do now? And Obi-Wan's like, you're free. Free to do and be whoever you want to be. And then Reva's like, I'm Reva. Reva Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, ah, that's, that's just, that's how that's you know funny. the fans are getting it right. <laughs> uh, last thing, I guess, I really hope they let it die here. You know, we don't need any more Obi-Wan spinoffs. You could maybe do a Vader spinoff. But I think one of the things I'm struggling with Vader is every time we see Vader, he's supposed to be the big bad. He's always getting his butt handed to him by like everybody, you know, like <laughs> the only time he really wins is against some rebels in Rogue One. Like, so it'd be nice to see Vader actually kill a ton of Jedi, like as sad as that would be and terrible as that is, like, give me danger, Vader. But I don't think we need any more Vader or Obi-Wan. Like, you had your chance, Disney, and you kind of whiffed it. Well, not you kind of, you did whiff it. So let's just, let's let it die and we'll pretend it didn't happen. <laughs> Yeah, that, that wraps up our thoughts on Kenobi Episode 6 and as a, a series as a whole. Our listeners out there, let us know your guys' thoughts, whether you agree with us or disagree with us or have a completely different opinion. Let us know. It's time, though, now to dive into our topic this week. Me and TJ finally broke after uh, weeks of, ah, we don't want to see a Top Gun, to Christian seeing Top Gun and be like, we should talk about this, to all of the, the rave and the hype about Top Gun. So we went and saw the new Top Gun Maverick. And I'll be honest, you know, I hated it. Even worse than the first one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It, you know, we're pretty negative on this podcast. Me especially. I'm very like, come on, everything sucks. Maybe, but I got to say. Maybe, maybe not negative. Maybe, negative. maybe a little more critical. Critical. Yes. There we go. That's true. And I'm especially critical. But I enjoyed this movie. I enjoyed it quite a bit. <laughs> So kind of start us off maybe before we start diving into things. Quick summary, you know, 30 years after the first Top Gun, Tom Cruise is somehow still in the Navy uh, flying stealth, uh, stealth fighter pilot jets or testing them. But then he gets, uh, his project kind of gets basically KO'd and he's forced to go back to Top Gun to uh, teach the new generation of pilots to lead this very dangerous mission. And... It is a fun time. It is a fun, uh, fun mission, and it's, it's the movie of the summer for sure. And I think quite possibly it will be the movie of the year, right? It's the most, I think, easily rewatchable movie of the year. Now, that's not to say that something like Batman, I don't feel is just as good of a watch, right? They're very, very different, right? And you know, Batman, though, is a, is a three-hour movie, right? And this is a, a little bit less. And Batman's kind of a little bit darker and a little bit slower, so maybe not going to be yeah as easy of a rewatch. This one though, it's pretty fast paced, pretty fun, moving, lighthearted, while still being action packed and has a compelling story. So you can go back and watch this one over and over, uh, no problem. And I mean, many people have. I think it's crossed or almost crossed the the billion dollar marker here. So uh, doing well, and it's gonna it's gonna keep on climbing. And I think it's really like this is kind of weird, but. It feels like an 80s movie. Like, it is, it's set in the modern day, but it just, you get those 80s feels from it. And it doesn't have, like, like, of course, it's referencing the original Top Gun throughout and whatever, which, by the way, you don't need to watch the original to watch this. And maybe in some ways, don't watch the original <laughs> like this. Um, but I don't know, just like the feel of it, like that first scene where planes are just taking off and Highway to the Danger Zone is playing. And I'm just like, man, like, this is yeah like i'm back like the i don't know it just felt like like an 80s movie like all those nostalgic things without actually to be relying on nostalgia 
No, there is some still elements of nostalgia, but I think it's more if they pay homage to the nostalgia rather than be like, look at this thing I used to love. But TJ, I think, is correct that you get the vibe immediately that this is going to be a fun time. But also at the same time, it's going to be uh, an emotional time. And it's like there, it's still a very big element of reality and seriousness. But for the most part, like it's very uplifting and very positive, even though there's a lot of things that happen in this film. So I'm going to go and just mention one of my favorite. There's I had a couple favorite parts of this movie. I think what one of my favorite parts is when when you get to see Tom Hanks just doing his thing as the best. Uh, you mean Tom Tom Cruise, Tom, not Tom Hanks? Tom, <laughs> no, spoiler, no. Guys, we got to get those fighters in the a, air. We got a cameo with, yeah, Tom, uh, Tom Hanks. No. Um, Tom Cruise. Oof, that, that was rookie mode there. Big butcher. Tom Cruise doing his thing in a plane. One of the things I love seeing is a master at work, right? That's why I love Vin Diesel in the car, right? Vin Diesel in the car is unbeatable, <laughs> right? He is, he can, Vin Diesel in a car versus Thanos with all five Infinity Stones, Vin Diesel comes out Six. on top, right? So it's, it's the same thing here with Tom Cruise in that plane. Like he was making those, uh, those young kids, the young fighters, just looks silly up in the air when they're dog fighting. He's like, Oh, gotcha. Oh, gotcha again. And then they're doing pushups galore, right? And that, that kind of those, the beginning of the movie, some of those opening scenes or not the opening scenes, but some of the, the earlier scenes on when he's just making them look silly. I thought that was super funny, super entertaining. Uh, and, and just great to see Tom Cruise doing work out there. Yeah. And that's, what's crazy about it. Like, this is what I think is so impressive about this film is like, you know, air combat isn't, a very exciting thing. Like this isn't like a space battle where you can fly every which way, huge explosions, lasers. Like this is very just like much more grounded and much more, it's, it's more slow and tactical in some ways, but just the way they shoot it and you know, the story that's going throughout it and all the, like the little things they're able to come up with to make Tom Cruise seem, you know, super dangerous and masterful. Like Christian said, it, it is really entertaining. I loved seeing him put the whooping on everybody. <laughs> I think that has to do with, uh, you know, production design. Obviously, they actually flew in those planes. They, they themselves are not piloting it, but the, the way that they did it is basically they're in the back seat filming themselves as it's being flown by a real, real pilot. But I, I think that's something that kind of stands out to me from this first film is, yeah, they make jets super exciting, like, when it's kind of flying through and like when you're in the theater and you hear all the sounds, it's like you're actually there flying. And for me that I'm like, oh, I've never really wanted to be in a jet fighter pilot. I'm like, dang, that's actually super cool. I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm flying around. But like, I feel like with the actions and the, the planes, at least they really show, I think, how first, how dangerous dogfighting is. Like that is something that requires a great skill to be very good at. But it also just shows us like the elements of like, oh, these people love to fly and like, oh, this is super cool to them. And I think you're able to just feel that sense of like, this is dangerous and high speed and intense. And I think with the planes, at least, it shows that there are stakes to uh, the mission that's going to happen in this film. There's going to be intense stakes where, you know, hey, not everyone will come home because we're dealing with things with that are out of our control or we're dealing with newer technology where it's if we don't do this perfectly. We're kind of screwed. But I think especially with the action and, and the plane flying, it made you be like, oh, dogfighting is cool. Jet fighter planes are cool. And I think for me, the scene that really did it, that really got me into the movie at the beginning. Because, you know, I was, I was very skeptical coming into this movie. Everyone's <laughs> like, this movie's great. Best movie of the year. I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, whatever. So I was, I was skeptical coming in. But then I, I, I turned into a believer. But at the very beginning of the opening scene, when he does the, the test fighter flight run where he goes to Mach 10, and then because he's his character, uh, little arrogant. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm going to go past Mach 10. But that whole scene where he kind of takes off and basically flies into space, like to me, I was like getting chills. I'm like, whoa, that was really cool. And it almost gave me, it gave me like the sci-fi vibes, even though it's not sci-fi, it's grounded in reality. But I think it started off with a bang and it got you ready to be like, this is what you're going to exp be experiencing for the rest of these movies is like this, intel this intense uh, rush of these planes with... The, the humor and the fun of the Top Gun series uh, built into it. And so I really enjoyed that scene and got me into like, yeah, dogfighting. That, that's cool. It's super difficult, but really, really cool. Did it not remind you guys of pod racing a little bit for me? Like when they're, well, maybe not, <laughs> I, I shouldn't say not in the dogfighting scene, but just when they're like flying and they're going through the course, right? 
I just got total like pod racing. Actually, vibes. yeah, you're right. right? I, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, big Star Wars fan, obviously. So everything is related to Star Wars, it seems like. And, and that is the feel I got. So this was the best pod racing movie since uh, The Phantom Menace. And, and I really appreciated that. They were, uh, you know, in, in doing the crazy turns and the ups <laughs> and downs and having to dodge stuff. Now, there were no Tusken Raiders in the course, but they had other obstacles that they had to, to overcome. So I thought that was that was a, a good time. Yeah, the lock-on things were the Tuscan Raiders, the lock-on <laughs> missiles. There we go. Uh, yeah, going to Nate's point about stakes, I think that was one of the reasons I love this movie. This is going to sound like a weird comparison, and I know we just talked about Jurassic Park, but or Jurassic World. I got It felt kind of Jurassic Parky, you know, because in Jurassic Park, the, all the stakes are there's like, you know, there's five people. That's all there is, and you're trying to survive. And there's like some velociraptors after you, and that's really about it. Maybe there's a T-Rex and some other stuff that you don't know if they could eat you. But like, you know, kind of low stakes comparatively. Like, it's not like dinosaurs are going to take over the world. And in this movie, it's the same thing. Like, the stakes aren't this like, you know, an entire city or the whole world or, you know, half the universe is going to be destroyed. It's just, we're going to do this one mission. Like, of the four or the eight people on this trip or the, the six people on this trip, some of us might die. And, and I just love that because, like, it's so small stakes, but it feels so suspenseful. And you're on the edge of your seat the entire movie because they do such a good job of making you fall in love with the characters. Like, these characters, I'm like, I don't want anybody to die. Even Hangman, you know, because Hangman's just like the quintessential the trick. The bully. Like, even Hangman, you're kind of like, okay, you suck, but I don't want you to die. It's just beautifully done. No, I think there's uh, it's a it's a talented cast of characters, and I think they they do a good job with the dynamic between them. You know, got Hangman who's kind of like, oh yeah, I'm the greatest of all time, but then he's kind of competing with Rooster, who's like, I wouldn't say Rooster is a jerk, but like Rooster has the most some of the most natural talent with it. But you kind of have these these two kind of parties because you know very much like the original Top Gun, it's like oh they got to compete because they got to get the top spot. And for this, it's like, oh, they're competing to be like, who's going to actually go on this mission and lead the mission? But you just have such a fun dynamic with characters. Obviously, there's a little bit of beef, but with everyone, it's kind of like everyone's kind of having a good time also at the same time. You know, you have Bob, who's kind of just like the, the nerdy guy that's super quiet. And you kind of have, I'm kind of blanking on everyone's call signs, call names right now. I don't know why I'm thinking of the first one. But I think they're, they're group dynamic all together with them talking and how they interact with one another and there's that little bit of cockiness because you gotta have you gotta need that cockiness to be able to fly jet fighter planes and be the best of the best <laughs> as they say in <laughs> but I, I think that fun dynamic is uh just really present throughout the whole film and then when the characters go through emotional moments it's kind of like you get to go through it with them and you really feel it with them and i think even though it's very much the homage to the, the first one you get to see them all together in, in the beach scene even though everyone, everyone's the best in the scene beach in the whole movie. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say that, but you know, in the beach scene, while everyone's shirtless and they're, they're playing uh, offense and defense football at the same time, you know, Tom Cruise says to uh, jerk commander guy, what's his name? I'm, John, I, I, John Hamm is the, the actor, end. but John Hamm. Well, John, like when Tom Cruise says to John Hamm, he's like, "You want a team? There's your team." And everyone's carrying Bob. Like that yeah. moment's like ah, oh, everyone's like bonding together more. And I think that kind of whole kind of experience kind of shows their relationships with one another and creates a dynamic where you want to root for them to be like, I don't want them to die. I want them to succeed, but I don't know if they're going to succeed. Yeah. Or not. You never really, you never really did know you were like, you guys had mentioned before, you were always on the edge of your seat, just kind of uh, hoping that they wouldn't die, but not exactly sure. And that, that kept you intrigued the entire time. Cause it, it could change uh, really at, at any point. A couple of the other names, Nate, that uh, you, you were, trying to think of phoenix and payback and fanboy were a couple of the other the other squad uh, squad members uh, that each played their part and I, I have to say i have to say this i think top gun did what most fitness influencers wish they could do and that was get to the gym and, or motivate people to get to the gym and, and look good right um in, in the scene where they're all playing football everyone's like all the dudes are like man you know what I, I want to look like that, so I'm sure there's a, a big influx of uh, people going to the gym, and, and also an influx of those keeping the stash or, or shaving yeah. for the stash. Yeah. <laughs> so I've seen more stashes around uh, around town these days than I, I have previously. So it's a it's something yeah. to that point. When I was watching the movie, um, there is this group of like middle school slash high school just teenage girls in front of us, and like 
let's just say they were going wild <laughs> during the beat. <laughs> See, like they were just yeah, yeah. And then during the credits when it showed um Miles uh, Teller, uh, what? Miles Teller. Yeah, Miles Teller, and it's Glenn something. Whoever plays Hangman, Glenn Powell, They just yeah. like were cheering. Glenn Powell, they were cheering like mad. It actually it really heightened the experience, I would say. So, <laughs> so like, if you really want to get the full Top Gun uh, Maverick experience, try and make sure there's like some teenage girls somewhere in the theater so that you can know why. And, like, and it's it so was probably hype. their second or third time. They're like, oh, we get, we got to go exactly. back again. And they're hey, they're they're pumping up those sales. So or not the sale, the That's yeah, right. the movie sales. So. Ticket sales, there we go. I still, I think, I still got to say, I think Tom Cruise is still in pretty, he's pretty, pretty good shape for his age because the dude's like sixty now. Dude hasn't changed a day. He looks better actually than he did thirty years ago, which is yeah surprising to say the least. He also is a much better actor in my opinion because that first Top Gun I thought was very rough, at least in his (laughs) acting, uh, along with other things. But I, I do have to point out, obviously. There's the end where Tom Cruise always has to run in every movie. It's in in his contract. You got to get a running scene. We get that at the end with the final mission, but also on the beach, he he gets a a good quick little run in before he gets taken out on football. (laughs) Yeah. And a side shot too of it. It's always, you got to show this full shot. Uh, Speaking of age though, uh, sorry, I think it's Kelly McGinnis is her name. Um, uh, The actress who played opposite him in the the first one. Um, But I mean, I, I feel bad because it's like, hey, uh, she uh, she didn't age. She as was well looking as, a lot older uh, than yeah. him in the first one, and she does not look quite the same. So, so they had to go with a different girl, which you know is it, too bad. But Jennifer Connelly, I thought did great in this. Yeah, one. Kelly, yeah, Kelly McGinnis is is the the gal. And hey, everyone ages a little bit differently. Tom Cruise was the most successful, so he could uh, do all the the great fitness things and the meals and everything to stay looking good because. Uh, he he had the budget for it, but sorry, Kelly McGinnis. Yeah, with the the romance, I just want to point out the girl that he Jennifer Conley in this movie, uh, which I, I think it's also a throwback to the '80s because Jennifer Conley got her start in the '80s in like uh, Labyrinth was like her first film with David Bowie, and then she was in other things as the years oh, have yeah, gone on. Oh yeah, that's her. <laughs> but uh, the girl that she plays is mentioned in the first Top Gun. Uh, in the first Top Gun, they mention uh, Tom Cruise got in trouble going off with an admiral's daughter whose name is Penny. And she, that's the character that she plays. She is Penny. That is never seen oh. in the first film. So that's she's the not just a random, yeah, yeah. Random yeah so <laughs> Penny, Penny Benjamin. Uh, that's the the character's name that she plays. That is it's referenced in the first one. So she's not just yeah a random person. It's like oh hey I remember you. But just wanted to point that out. But I, I think the the romance it's nothing special. It's a romance. They're old people, or I should say older people. But for, <laughs> yeah. for, for the most part, I don't think it adds or takes away too much from the film. Yeah, it gives you what you need. You know, she he needs he needs that support and that character growth, and and she provides it. Yeah, it's not it's not anything special to like bat your eyes over, but it gets the job done. And and in some ways, it grounds him. You know, he's like, hey, like maybe maybe I can put down the wings uh, in a different way. Something I want to move on to that it was for me. This was probably one of my favorite moments in the scene, and actually, it got me a little bit emotional, which I was not expecting from the Top Gun movie at all. But the scene with him and Iceman, Val Kilmer, I thought was like a very touching scene. Because one of the, the biggest conflicts is Miles Teller, Rooster, his character, hates t- Tom Cruise, Maverick, because, you know, his, his, dad di- his dad, Goose, died in the first one while under uh, his command. And he also hates him because he pulled out his papers to the Naval Academy early on. But like, you know, Maverick goes to visit Iceman because Iceman's this admiral and yada yada. But I thought like that was a very... A tender moment where they're able to really like hey like I don't want to lose him like I lost Goose and it's like he kind of has to be like the, the hard dad in this situation but also at the same time he's like he's grown up now and I don't want to let him go because he could die on this mission that's completely dangerous but if I don't he's going to regret me for it forever so I thought that was a very I think a tender moment between him and Val Kilmer and fun fact with that scene so Val Kilmer in real life has cancer and he's lost his voice completely so it's actually when he actually spoke in the film, they used the same uh, digital, uh, not platform, but they same they used the same thing that they used for like Mark Hamill's voice and Darth mm. Vader's voice that they could ah. recreate the voice. I can't think of the name of it at the moment, but they use that same thing to recreate his voice now, just much older. I'll say maybe that's not a fun fact, Nate. Well, the fun fact is the recreation, okay. but not oh. a fun fact that uh, Val Kilmer yeah. is, yeah, <laughs> has, uh, has cancer, but uh, uh, fact a and, fact and a fun fact. I agree with that. I think one thing that was a little, as I mentioned, it, it is very 80s, but one of the things that did feel very modern 
very Tom Cruise was when um the planes crashed and they have like you know a little bit on foot during the climax because I honestly thought like oh that's it he dies like I that I thought that was gonna happen I had seen something uh, beforehand on on social media that said was like oh like why Top Gun is gonna repeat like uh No Time to Die uh, James Bond. And I was like, oh, okay, like, so he is going to die. And so then when he gets shot or he gets hit by the missile, I'm like, ah, oh, like, what a way to go. But it was like, nope, it's not done yet. <laughs> We're going to have a little bit of, like, adventure Tom Cruise spy style thing. And so that was, it was a little extra for me, but I think it fit enough for what they were trying to do. And I think, it, I don't know, I thought that was, like, a fun way to pay a nod to the original when they get in the F-14 and it's like, hey, you got to take on, it's like, you had to take on the, these modern planes with old technology, and it's like you know Miles Teller gets in here, and it's like everything's like a dinosaur in here. But I, but it's I, not I, the plane; it's the pilot. It's the pilot. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah, it's something like even though it's, you know it's a little bit you know it's a little bit out there and extra. I think it still works and it's fun and it shows how good of a pilot Maverick is. You know, like he he became an ace and he took out two planes with the old technology and stuff. Well, I, I technically that just, was a, a, just a clever one plane, way. right? The other Hangman got the second one. No, no, there, there was three, remember? Oh, there so was three. There was three. There was three. So My you bad. got two you're right, more you're right. with the plane. So, But I, I thought that it was, it was a clever way to pay a nod to the original while also having still uh, compelling action at the end. I also got to say, though, like, who's flying planes nowadays to guard stuff? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's just me. I'm like, really? Yeah, maybe, maybe the uh, <laughs> the guards uh, where the old school plane was maybe they just uh took a day off a little pto they're like hey we're not in it to win it today and and allowed for tom cruise to come out with the win but you know what it it, it had to happen because tom cruise has got to come out with the win you know just how it goes always <laughs> but you didn't Did you- know that which i appreciated you didn't know who was gonna die and spoiler no one actually dies but the entire time I thought someone was going to, and, and that's, that's a good way to keep everyone alive. Like you can keep everyone alive, but, um, you can't, you can't, uh, you got to make it feel like someone could die. And it's got to make sense that they survive too, I should say. <laughs> um, something else I do want to bring up is I do really love, uh, I know Christian talked about this a little bit, but first the whole training sequence when Tom Cruise completes the sequence, Yeah. you know, up to this point, everyone's kind of like dreading Tom Cruise gets kicked out. And it's like, it can't be done. But then he goes and does it. And to me, that's like, I would say this movie is, it's a very cheering movie where you're kind of like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> like you do the fist bump. And for me, that was one of those moments because it, it proved to him be like, hey, not only can you do this, you can do this 15 seconds underneath the time and that they need to do it at. And I thought it was a very like, you know, you, you reach a point where everything's kind of somber, but then it goes back up and you're back in it and it's like, okay, they can do this. I, I thought it was a very... Oh, I was cheering big time. And like, I was on the edge of my seat as well for that one. I'm like, oh man, come on, come on. You can do it. Right. And like, you kind of like know that he can do it, but like, you're still like, oh, come on. You got, you got this right. Is he gonna? (laughs) And and again, just a master at work, Tom Cruise in the plane showing everybody up. And then of course, John, John Hamm is forced to be like, okay, yeah, we'll bring him back on. I guess that is the the way to do it. Right. So it's just also sticking it to him. And so you're like, ah, yeah, got him. Right. And so love seeing uh, him uh, conquer that. And you, you thought he would at some point, you're like, Tom Cruise got to show him how how it's done. I think maybe he was, he was hoping that they would be able to, to go and do it without him having to prove it to him. Right. But uh, yeah, still so fun to see him uh, accomplish that and just kind of like, Hey, I can do it. Cause I'm I'm the best there is, you know. <laughs> and in case we're wondering what what's happening with all that the money, the taxpayer money that we're using, it's all on these re, re, refueling the <laughs> the planes and them crashing down and all this stuff because those things are a chunk of change. Imagine the say. gas prices on those puppies, right? <laughs> One other thing I, I do also want to bring up is the final mission. I think that action sequence it's the, it's the build up. You know, we we've been talking about this movie does a great job of building up and suspense with characters that you care about, which I, I guess maybe that's the goal with all movies is make characters that we like and then put them in a situation where we don't know what's going to happen, where we're asking what's going to happen next. But I think this final mission really executes on the fact that this is everything they're building up for. And like TJ made the good point of, it's not like this super high scale thing. You know, it's not like, oh, 
they do this and the, the world is destroyed. It's like, oh, maybe people get more power that they don't want. But so it's still this relatively smaller scale kind of thing. But I think it's executed in a really entertaining way where you're on the edge of the seat and you don't know what's going to happen with the mission, if they're going to succeed or fail or not. I will say my my one only like kind of uh, kind of like negative, I would say for this was while on that mission and like on the training, right? There's the one point where they're having to climb really, really high, right? In a short amount of time. And, and that's like a super difficult thing to do. And then, you know, they get over the, they get over the hump and then they fire the... Uh, the missile uh, where it's supposed to be. I felt like that was like kind of like, oh, it just kind of happened right uh, at the end of the mission. And it didn't seem like that big of a deal. They just, they just did it, you know, no problem, no worries. And so I was like, ah, oh, man, I wish that felt like more of a, a big deal and more of an accomplishment during that part. But I know that they had to kind of, you know, continue moving faster because it wasn't just that it was, they, they also had to fire the missile, hit it. And then, you know, get the heck out of Don it and make it out alive. So like, I can understand that part. So that was maybe just one of my little things. I'm like, Oh man, I wish I felt this a little bit more. Yeah. I guess there wasn't as much music in like the final mission part. There, it was a lot of silence, just the, you know, going along, surviving it. Um, but I did think that led for different emotions. Like the, I really liked when, you know, the entire movie, Tom Cruise is saying, talk to me goose. And then we finally get at the end where roosters, he's flying. He's like, talk to me, dad. And you're just like, ah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, though, if I can say this, this is it. You know, we don't need any more Top Guns. We don't need a Top Gun series. I know, you know, Tom Cruise is like going forever with the Mission Impossibles, but I'm okay with that. It's kind of fast and furious, but better, uh, like, <laughs> um, better quality, I should say. Not necessarily better content, but just, you know, it's more upscale than I think Fast and Furious <laughs> tries to be. Um, but that works. But Top Gun. It's like uh, it's like he says in the he says he quote when he's talking to the to the admiral bad guy from National Treasure two right I think he's Ed, Hel Ed Helms Ed, Ed Helms, Helms is the yeah. actor yeah he's like you know it's like your kind is headed to extinction and he's like maybe so sir but not today and you know that was a line to us like hey this this can't go on like I was surprised as a fan that that or as a as a, a viewer that they were able to make a good movie out of this kind of uh plot and this kind of scenario. Uh, but uh, Tom Cruise is saying to you know, to everyone, hey, we're going to do one last hurrah and we're not going to do it again. And so even though we love this, let's stick to it. Like, let's be smart fans here. Let's not say, give us another top come, Trump. No, no. Let's leave it as it is because this is gold and, and we don't need a I mean, it. they're making a billion dollars though, man. You don't think they're, they're probably, they're probably going to do another one just because they made so much money, right? I'm I don't know. I don't. I don't think they will do another one, even though it's a cash cow and they're making a lot of money. Like, I think Tom Cruise. Like, I don't think he's like I'm. I'm bored. I want to fly more planes. It's like you know, this is something from my past. I want to do a good job of it because I think in most theaters everywhere, they had Tom Cruise gave like a like right before the movie started. He'd be like, "Hey, want to let everyone know like this has been years in the making." So I don't. I don't think there's going to be another Top Gun, but I, I do like the the related TJ to the quote at the beginning that. Not today. Not like we may not come back again, but today we're gonna make it worth your while. And to be fair, like most of Tom Cruise movies, it's just, hey, what big stunt do I want to do that I can make a movie around? <laughs> so now that he's already, you know, flown a plane, he doesn't really have much more to <laughs> to do. Yeah. Okay. I guess uh, I could see that. I could see that. He's like, yeah, he has a lot of other things on his plate that he wants to do. Um. So okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I feel that. And that's what I hope they do. I hope they don't continue it and they just kind of leave it as is. With that, though, shall we dive into ratings? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give this a 9 out of 10. Like, I, there are parts where it's a little slow and, you know, a couple moments where you're like, really? Or, ah, I don't know about that. But this is just, this is a fantastic movie. You're entertained. And honestly, everyone, I'm like, go see this in theaters before it's too late. Because on the big screen, I think it's, with the planes, it's a, it's a full it's a different experience getting all that immersion or a much more of that immersion, but yeah, beautifully done this. Like, honestly, I think this will be like, this was not on any of our top uh, lists for the year, but this, this definitely, I think is going to be uh, number one, two or three easily. And, and I just got to say after, after the movie theater, I was with my fiance, we got out and I'm like, Hey, uh, can I drive back? Like she was the one that drove there, but I'm like, I, I got to get behind the wheel <laughs> after watching this movie. It's got to go fly. So nine out of 10 for me. I thought you were going to say, 
can can I grow a mustache? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, I should have asked that. Uh, uh, but uh, for me, yeah, I'm gonna give it a four and a half stars. TJ and I are kind of aligned in our thing. You know, just I always just half whatever he does because I'm in stars and he's out of ten. <laughs> but um, <laughs> uh, yeah, four and a, four and a half stars. Yeah, maybe a four point six. We'll see. Uh, but uh, it, it was just a phenomenally fun movie. And yeah, the cast killed it. The story was fun. It was action packed, uh, had the humor aspects of it with this old nostalgic movies while still keeping it new and fresh. I mean, it hit on all the points that, that I really want it to, uh, to, or that I wanted it to hit on. And I guess, I mean, I had lower expectations going into it or didn't have as strong of a desire to see it. So maybe that plays in uh, a little bit, but overall, just a very well done movie movie of the summer for sure and very well could be the movie of the year for me i'm, I'm giving it the highest rating for me it's a have to watch you know oh dang coming in super skeptical i'm like no way no way oh i didn't want to see it but i was immediately engaged and entertained the whole time i was there it was a hit on the emotional aspect for me which i was not expecting it to do at all you know uh, the first one i think is not a good movie at all but this uh <laughs> this the sequel takes only the, the few good things from that first movie and builds upon that and just tells a compelling story with characters that you like and with action sequences that I think are incredibly entertaining and you have a fun time, you care about what's happening, you're on the edge of your seat and I think it's exactly what you want a blockbuster to be, even though I wasn't expecting this to be a blockbuster, so I'm giving it a half to watch. Yeah, like TJ, see it in theaters, but easily one of the best movies of the year and I think like Christian says, I, I think personally, I think it will be the movie of the year. Like, I, I still really like the Batman, but it's the most, yeah, it's the most easy movie that you want to watch again to, to rewatch. But I think it will be that the, the top movie of this year, personally. That wraps up our thoughts, though, on Top Gun Maverick. Our listeners out there, let us know your guys' thoughts. Before we end this episode, we have to play the quote one more time. Good news is there's hope for you, Private. Hope in the form of glorious combat. Battle is the great redeemer, the fiery crucible in which the only true heroes are forged. The one place where all men truly share the same rank, regardless of what kind of parasitic scum they were going in. All right, that's the quote again, and that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. We appreciate all you listeners out there. If you want a chance to get a shout out on our podcast, you can do that by following us on Instagram. That's at quotes and stuff pod. If you DM us guessing the quote correctly before we reveal it, we will give you a shout out. If you want another opportunity, another way to reach out to the show, you can do that through Gmail. That's at quotesandstuffpod at gmail.com, sending in your guys' suggestions or thoughts about any of the things we talk about. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next Goodbye. time. Adios.